happy Friday as we head into a big weekend of Phillies baseball. This is Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Friday, May the 3rd, as we got Phillies back in action tonight after the off day yesterday. Two off days this week, so it'll be good to get back to having some more Phillies nightly action as they will play for the next six straight nights, three at home against Washington then three in St. Louis, then an off day, then three in Kansas City. But big series coming up at Citizens Bank Park this weekend, the last three games of the nine-game homestand so far. The Phillies took three of four from the Marlins, one of two from the Tigers. They're sitting at four and two on the homestand, a solid record, and hopefully they can at least take two of three from this national squad. Later on, we will dive into the series, look at the matchups, look at it, the pitching matchups and whatnot coming your way. But first, let's look back at the last few days. We'll also dive into where the Phillies stand in the National League East at the moment. Spoiler alert, they're in first place, so that's always good to see. We'll dive into the specifics of that as well. But first, just a, a quick look back at the Tigers series. We've covered it a little bit over the last couple of days, but uh, again, I think the uh, the key is that granted on Tuesday night they came out sluggish, they played sluggishly, Vincent Velasquez didn't have his best stuff. In addition, the defense didn't have his back. It was just a uh, a frustrating game, especially coming back after uh, you know winning three of four from the Marlins, a three-game win streak. You had hoped after that first off day in 17 straight days of baseball, you get an off day that they would come back rejuvenated that was not the case we saw defensive issues we saw Velasquez struggling of course the Harper booze which uh, I talked about that a bit yesterday I thought and still think that it was early to boo Harper that you know we're only a month into the season he is working hard he is playing hard he is hustling on the base paths that um, he had a rough night he's had a rough stretch for the last couple weeks but I thought it was too soon to boo Harper I was talking to my buddy Jack Fritz, and he had a different perspective on the boo, saying that the boo, though, in the moment towards Harper, was more a boo to the entire team and the sluggish, again, that we mentioned, the sluggish seeming you know nature of the team, the team that's been kind of flat, you know, really since that trip to Colorado, the Nationals, or really since Juan Soto hit that home run in extra innings, or Victor Robles hit that home run in the top of the ninth with two outs, two strikes. Really, since then, they've been somewhat sluggish. And coming out against the Tigers, a team they're better than, and just playing unimpressive baseball, only four hits all night long, that it was more a boo for the whole team and for the sluggish play. And and if that's the case, then I, I think it's more defensible. I think there are probably certain people who were there to boo Harper because they paid money and they went to see a game and Harper sucked and he's been struggling and they were mad about it. But... If for those people booing the collective product, I think that's a, a much stronger case. I do think that in that case, I feel less bad about the boo and I'm less critical of it. Ultimately, Tuesday was just a, a bummer of a night from top to bottom. I was down at the ballpark. There was no energy, no excitement. So I understand the the fans not being super excited about it, but I, I still think too early to specifically focus in on Harper. I, I said yesterday, I'll say it again. 
Uh, I think that, you know, the best is absolutely yet to come from Harper. He is a streaky player. It's who he's always been. He started out hot. He slowed down a bit. He'll be fine. They're, Bryce Harper is going to make you very happy that he's a Philly many times over this season. So, um, And again, to his credit, uh, Harper handled it really well and said he would have booed himself too and that they need to do better and all that. So shout out to Harper for handling it well. And I know he hit three balls really hard on Wednesday. Uh, didn't have anything to show for it. But um, I, I look, Harper's going to break out of this slump and there will not be boos when he's bringing it. So get ready for it. Luckily... The Phillies come back on Wednesday and get the job done. A 7-3 to win. A 7-3 win. A win that at times did seem as if it was in peril. Aaron Nola, not quite vintage Nola, but certainly looked better. The curveball was better. He was getting people to swing and miss. Some called third strikes. He was fooling guys a little bit. It was great to see. Unfortunately, he isn't able to get out of the sixth inning. He is one nothing lead Two outs in the six, and Nola gives up the first run of the game and ends up being 1-1. I, I said yesterday I thought Kapler bringing Narison in that spot was a really brilliant tactical managerial move that paid off. They got out of the inning. They, ultimately, they do go to, down to one, but ultimately able to come back against that Tigers bullpen. Mike Galfranco with an opposite field bases loaded double. That was monster. He has had some clutch hits this year. It's funny. I... I Look, I think if you're picking one guy right now to be up in a clutch spot, it's Reese Hoskins. But after that, I, I think Franco's in the discussion, which is crazy. I'm talking about just right now, the way these guys are hitting, the way they're contributing. I still think I would take Gene Segura in a clutch spot just because I trust his ability to get the bat on the ball and and get on base or whatever in a clutch spot. So I think I would still take Segura. But Franco's right there after him, which is crazy to say. It's crazy to say that in terms of what we've seen so far this season, that Franco in a clutch spot over Harper, over Real Muto, you know, over McCutcheon, I, you know, I don't feel great about it when I say it, but I think that, that at least so far the evidence has, has steered us that way. It was just nice to see the Phillies battle back in that game. Again, after such a listless effort the night before and to be down 2-1 in the seventh inning and then to battle back, the, the, the bases loaded double scores three. They end up tacking on another three runs. Reese Hoskins, Homer, the next inning, part of it as they were finally able to get the bats going a little bit in those last, in the 7th and 8th inning, really only. And they end up winning it 7-3. And again, just a, a monster win for this team because they needed to they needed to split with the Tigers. After losing that first game, they couldn't get swept by a, a bad team at home. And now the Nationals coming to town, a big series after that. So, um, again, I think as frustrating as the first game was, you have to feel pretty good about how they responded in game two, then they get the off day yesterday. This team certainly shouldn't have any excuses in terms of not being rested enough or whatever. Heading into the, uh, a big weekend series with the uh, the Nationals, we'll dive into that coming up uh, in just a few minutes. As again, that is a, that is a big series. It's an important series for the Phillies. But let's take a look at where they sit in the National League East, as uh, as we discussed, and in the National League, at, you know, in at large. As they are in first place in the division at 17 and 13, the Dodgers with the best record in the National League, and right behind them the the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. But after that, the Phillies are right there with the Diamondbacks, with uh, you know the Padres is having the next best record in the National League. Um, the the Mets, Braves, and uh, Nats behind them in the division. The Nats have been struggling. Nats playing well below 500 baseball, so. 
Um, it kind of adds to this series coming up even more. It gives the Phillies an opportunity to get a struggling Nats team in here and pin them down and, and put some more losses on the record. So uh, I think when you look at where the Phillies sit right now, you have to feel pretty good. As we discussed, this is a team that hasn't played their best baseball. Obviously, the first week of the season, they played really well, and that's the best baseball we've seen from them so far this season. But this team is way more talented than what we've seen. They have had a pretty listless, uh, pretty flat last few weeks. They're middle of the pack offensively as far as the league goes. They're middle of the pack pitching-wise. I think they have the 14th or 15th best team ERA in all baseball. They're right in the middle of the pack. And yet they're 17-13 and 13 and in first place. You know, it's not a dominant record. You like to see them, you know, in, in where, where the Rays are, or the Dodgers are, you know, seven, eight, nine games above 500, but... They're in first place in a division that is tough and is going to be a tough slog. I think it's encouraging, more than discouraging, to see where this team is at. Again, they've had some injuries offensively. We'll dive into some of the updates. Talked about a bit yesterday. Dive into that coming up as well. But um, they've had some injuries. They've had some real struggles on the back end of the bullpen. They have uh, the one guy that you thought would come in and be dominant in his spot was Aaron Nola. He has been anything, but there have been a lot of things that have gone wrong for this team already this season, and yet they've still found their way to the best record in the National League East, you know, into May. And I I think that's really encouraging because I think better things are coming. As we discussed before, we are absolutely going to see stretches where Bryce Harper throws this team on his back. It is one of the better players in baseball, if not the best for stretches. You know, we have not seen the best of JT Romuto yet. We have not seen the best of Andrew McCutcheon yet, and we've seen some good, but there's more. We've certainly not seen the best from some of the pitchers and the pitching staff. The pen as well. Sir Anthony's struggled. We've seen that. The pen has not been nearly as good as expected other than, you know, Neris Morgan and, and Nishak have been great. And the pen has been fine, but the point is, is that the team has played relatively average compared to their talent level. And we're not even talking about the supplemental stuff that we will likely see come the trade deadline. If they continue to play well, you'll see a pitcher added, a a bullpen piece added, all that stuff. And that's encouraging too. But I think that when you look at where this team is now, again, with the injuries they've sustained, with the long stretch of baseball they just played, with the struggles they've had on the road, they're not a very good road team right now. And they weren't a good road team last year. So that's certainly something to watch. But all that said, they're sitting there at seven and 17 and 13, and they're in first place in the division. They haven't had a prolonged winning streak yet. They haven't had a, a real hot streak yet. Again, it seems like other than the first week of the season, there's been no point this season where everyone's firing on all cylinders or even where 95% of guys are firing on all cylinders. So I think the best is, is really yet to come, and it's going to be fun to see what this team can do when – you know, we get that kind of feeling that we had the first week of the season where they're really just all firing, all, you know, kind of moving in the same direction. I think there's going to be a lot of good baseball from this team coming up. And and again, I know that you could look at this and, and find reasons to be disappointed. Yesterday, we talked about potential concerns. We talked about the inconsistency that this team has shown from night to night that we've talked about. We've sh- talked about their propensity to come out flat. We've talked about Aaron Nola. Like, there are a lot of reasons for concern, but I think that from a macro perspective, when you step back and look at where this team is at, what they've done so far to get there, what it's taken to get there, that 
you have to feel really good about 17 and 13, and you have to feel really good about what they can do moving forward because, again, there, there's better stuff to come. And don't get me wrong, this division is going to beat each other up. The Mets are better than I thought they'd be. They're a good baseball team. The Nationals are struggling right now, but, man, they keep bringing up talent. They've got so many talented guys in their lineup. The Obviously, the starting staff, you got Scherzer, you got Strasburg, you got Corbin. That can turn things around quickly. And the Braves, obviously, the reigning National League East champions, a, a team with tons of young talent. They just keep – it seems like the Braves just bring up, like, all these pitchers. It's like a new pitcher every week, and he's awesome. Like, Max Freed, this kid is a stud left-hander for them. And, you know, they brought him up earlier this season. He comes up. He's dominant. Mike Soroka, another one. They bring him up. He's dominant. It's just like they have more arms than they know what to do. It took you to Sean. Sean Newcomb has struggled this year, and he was a stud for them last year. Fulton Navich, they got a lot of young arms, a lot of talent. So this division's tough. This is no joke. This is going to be one of the toughest, most competitive divisions all season long, in my opinion, in all of baseball. And the Phillies are out in front right now. And again, it's not a dominant out in front. They're not the best team in baseball right now, but they're trending in the right direction. And they're and they're finding ways to win games, even on nights where they're not giving their best stuff. And again, you could choose to be discouraged by that. I choose to be encouraged by that because I, I think that we're going to see progression. We're going to see them get better. And if they can get better, and again, they're already in first place. So if better things are yet to come, that's a, a real positive in my mind, for this team again, as uh, I know, I know that we have a tendency, especially with a Phillies team that has been bad for so long. And obviously, we had a, a a nice little glimpse of a run last year for the first four months of the season. They overachieved, and we thought maybe they could do something. But deep down in our hearts and our souls, we knew that they just weren't good enough, and that's how it played out. But really, with the last eight years of baseball in this city. We almost forget what it's like to to watch a team and care about a team on a night-to-night basis. And you have to remember to have a little patience with it. And I do too. We all do because it's a grind. Baseball is the longest of seasons. It just goes on and on. And teams have to play through injuries. They have to play every single day. There, There will be a month where the Phillies play 32 games in 30 days or whatever. You know, that kind of stuff will happen. And it, it really is a, a long season with a lot of ups and downs. Again, we saw it last year. It was a really long season. The last two months stunk and it totally changed the perspective on the season. So while I think it's fun to, you know, criticize things we see and to analyze it on a night-to-night basis, we do have to remember to step back and have a bit more of a macro perspective on things and remember that it's a long season. And 17 and 13 right down right now is really not that bad. All right, coming up, we will look ahead to the series with Washington in Philly this weekend. And then also we will uh, look at the injuries as mentioned. Uh, Question about John Maley to ask and a whole lot more. All that coming up. It's Phillies today. It is James Seltzer and we are coming right back. We are back. Phillies today, James Seltzer, as we have looked at the Phillies last few days and looked at the team from a macro perspective, where they stand, where they sit. A couple injury notes, as we mentioned, Odubel Herrera looks to be back on Sunday, which will be absolutely huge for this team, as um, we do have to mention this. Uh, Nick Williams was on WIP two days ago prior to Game 2 of the Tiger Series on the pregame show with Jim Jackson, and uh, this ties into Odubel coming back because 
We need Oduble back because Nick Williams and I have liked the lineup of McCutcheon in center and Williams in left, even though I can't have McCutcheon playing center field every night. He, you know, he's too old. He's not a center fielder. But Nick Williams on the pregame show with Jim Jackson basically says he's going to get traded or he thinks he's going to get traded or essentially he's waiting to get traded. He said, you know, he's talking about the ups and downs and how, you know, he's not getting quite enough opportunity, but that ultimately he'll probably be in a new uniform. And it was crazy. It was crazy to hear what Nick had to say as really just openly intimated that he expected to not be a part of this Phillies organization for that long. He expected it. He said, I'd be probably be in another uniform, which is just, I mean, it's crazy to me. Whether or not you're unhappy, which I think Nick Williams, we could say, is clearly unhappy right now. Uh, whether or not you're unhappy, I think it is absolutely insane for you to come out and say something like that. Not only does it hurt your team's leverage, does it hurt you in their eyes? I mean, you're still here. What if there isn't a team that wants to trade for you, Nick? What if there isn't a good deal on the offer, on the table? What are you going to do? You just say that, then go back to doing what you're doing and not think that people are going to look at you within the organization differently? That you're not going to, that there won't be any sort of repercussion? I, I just, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I, one of the craziest things I've heard a player say in the sense that I just, I couldn't believe that he would openly intimate that he doesn't see a future for him here in Philadelphia. And again, I understand that. You know, look, I, I get it. You're 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 a right fielder last year. They signed Bryce Harper. That sucks. I get it. You're a young guy. You need to play. You want to play, but you're the most important bat, bat off this bench for this team. You're the most important spot fill-in starter in the outfield. I mean, you are a crucial piece of this team. Easily the best bench bat. Obviously, Kingery hurt right now. He's a, a great bench bat as well, or potentially starter down the road, whatever. But if you're Nick Williams, I mean. Isn't it, doesn't it make more sense to embrace the situation you're in and play your butt off and then behind the scenes say, listen, guys, I will work my butt off for you, but if you can find an opportunity for me to go somewhere else and get to play, you know, that'd be, that'd be what I want. I, I just don't see the any upside to doing this in public on the radio. I just, I, it baffles my mind. I see no upside for it. And look, this is not like this is the first thing with Nick Williams. We saw it last year with the whole computer making the lineups thing, talking about Gabe, talks to a reporter about that. That was crazy. That was stupid to do. And then we saw him have issues in the minors as well with his coach and all that. So um, this is starting to turn into a pattern for Nick Williams. It, it seems like there is a, a malcontent type of thing with Nick Williams. And we've seen it multiple times now. And again, I understand. They sign a big-time guy to come in and play your spot. It's it's frustrating. It sucks. But act like a pro. You're a major league baseball player. You still have a role. And by the way, you're hitting 162, Nick. It's not like you're hitting 400 and saying, ah, oh, huh, this is BS. I should be playing all the time. No. Play better when you get the opportunity to play. Take advantage of those opportunities and be a good soldier. Because no one wants to see your players talk out like that and intimate that their team is doing them dirty or whatever it is. So that was my take on the situation. I couldn't believe he said it. And more importantly, I think it was a mistake for him to say it. And 
look, uh, right now he's not going anywhere, Nick. You're not getting traded anytime soon. So put your head down and do your do your job and hope that that earns you an opportunity somewhere. And again, there could be injuries. There could be this. There could be that. There are no reasons. There are going to be opportunities for you to play here. And by doing this, you're only hurting that even more as well. So I, I just didn't understand it for Nick Williams. I didn't understand the upside of it. I didn't understand his thinking. I thought it was crazy. And I'm interested to see how it, how it plays out, obviously. But I didn't think it was a good move by uh, by Nick Williams there. All right, the other injury update. Scott Kingery is in the first stage of his running program, which is a good thing for a hamstring injury, but still some time those things linger. And then David Robertson still sore and not throwing. That is a worry. I told you when the injury happened, elbow soreness scares the crap out of me. I'm still scared by it. I don't know what's going to happen. Fingers crossed. He comes back. It seems like the team isn't super worried about it. They feel like he'll be back, and they're not taking it quickly, which is great to hear, and I hope that, that that's the case. But I, I am worried. I'm worried about Robertson's elbow. He's an important piece of this team. They need him, and uh, I'm worried that they're not going to – they're not going to have him. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Those are the injury updates. I also mentioned real quickly, John Maley. I think that it's time to start talking about John Maley a little bit. And, you know, look, I'm not calling for his job, but I do think that this team has really underperformed offensively. They just have. They are not as consistent as they need to be. They have not had a great approach at the plate a lot of times. It hasn't seemed like it did the first week and a half of the season where it was a, a well-oiled machines and they were working counts and working pitchers and, getting timely hits, none of that seems to be happening right now. So, um, again, not calling for a job yet or anything like that, but I do think that it's time to maybe put the microscope on John Maley a little bit. I think it's time to to take a look at him and make sure that, that you know, his he needs to do a better job because this team needs it better. I mean, you look at a team like the Dodgers who have a hitting coach who never even played Major League Baseball. He's a a guy who was a, a, a Juco player and worked his way up through the minors and, and studies video and is just a hitting guru. He doesn't need to be a great hitter himself. He just understands the art of hitting and it's working really well for the Dodgers. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Maley thing doesn't work out if the Phillies do have an unconventional hire there. But regardless, I think right now you hope and want to see Maley pull out of uh you know pull this team out of kind of where they're at and and I, I think that they they need to do better they need to be more consistent offensively with all the talent they have on this team uh they need to do better all right coming up this weekend uh big series starting tonight down at citizens bank park phillies nationals our old buddy jeremy hellickson coming into town the last time we saw hellickson was the 15 to 1 debacle so not looking forward to seeing hellickson for some reason the phillies couldn't hit him at all even though he seems like the easiest most hittable pitcher in baseball. He just throws 89 in the zone, and I don't get why they can't hit him, but they couldn't last time. Hopefully that changes tonight. They can get a beat on him. Jared Eikhoff takes the hill for the Phillies, which feel great about that. I mean, Eikhoff's been awesome coming off his first win since 2017, and it was dominant. Seven shutout innings. He's looked great. Excited to see Eikhoff go out there and take the ball again. Saturday, the best pitching matchup of the series will be Jake Arrieta against Patrick Corbin. That should be a fun one. Corbin, of course, the... Highly paid free agent this offseason, left-hander. Coming off a, a rough start, had one bad inning essentially, but has been pretty good for the Nats this year. That's the the toughest matchup as the Phillies luckily avoid Scherzer and Strasburg on Sunday. It'll be Zach Eflin against Anibal Sanchez. So good matchups. Again, missing Scherzer and Strasburg is massive. I mean, that is just a, a win in and of itself. So I think with that in mind, the Phillies have a nice opportunity here. Take two of three. 
Just keep winning series. They need to win this series because then they go on the road. They go to St. Louis. They go to Kansas City. And, yeah, one of those teams is good, but this Phillies team hasn't been good on the road. We've seen them lose to lesser teams on the road, so they really need to continue to take advantage of the home games until they improve on the road. So big, big series against the Nationals. We will see what happens either way. We will be back to talk about it on Monday. So until then, thank you for listening to Phillies today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network.